Uh, welcome to a new episode of my podcast. I haven't done this in about a year, but um, I, it's something I've been meaning to get back to. And uh, I think today is a good opportunity to start. And I've been very busy with work and stuff like that, but I've been watching a lot of the NBA and, and uh, trying to find someone to talk to me is maybe the bigger problem here. Uh, so I want to welcome Philip at, at Advanced That's 23 from Twitter. Uh, a lot of you guys may know him. And then we're going to go through basically every team, try to see if something interesting comes to mind about those teams. We, we might accidentally stumble into something interesting. Um, hey, Philip, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good, good. Just uh, busy with everything and, and then trying to get something done, probably. <laughs> um, we'll just go in the order of the standings and start from the Boston Celtics. 17-3, and three, just finished coming off a 16-game win streak, uh, but lost to the Heat. Uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind you, to you with this team? I'm just surprised how good they are on defense. I thought their bench especially would struggle defensively. But Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, those guys have killed my expectations. So they're a lot better than I expected them to be right now. Yeah, I don't get it. It's sort of weird where... Kyrie Irving is getting a lot of MVP hype, and he's been really good in some ways. And I think Brad, in, playing for Brad uh, Stevens is really good for him and it gets him on the move and all sorts of things. He plays like really efficient games. But defense is where the team is winning, and it's very strange to have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, second first-year players, actually contributing to a good defense, not to mention like the best defense in the NBA. Yeah. Um, uh, the Pistons uh, yeah yeah. and wh- what do you think about the Pistons what's the first thing that comes to mind for you well when I watch the Pistons it's sort of like uh, I know that they're, they've been playing well and, and they're winning a lot of games but when I watch them compared to like a team like Miami who's 9-9 nine and, nine and not, a, not in the top playoff spots right now I don't really see that big of a difference sort of when I Watch the Pistons, they're like really competent and now they're doing the right things with Andre Drummond and maybe Tobias Harris is shooting well and you're sort of hot and I just see like a new baseline level of competence but I don't really see like a new team really as such. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm maybe most surprised Reggie Jackson looks pretty good. He looks more explosive than last year which I guess kind of to be expected coming off injury. And Andre Drummond's defense has been better than it has been in past years. But overall, I don't really see them as like one of these four or five best teams that are going to last in the East. Avery Bradley is, I think, a pretty big plus compared to Coldwell Pope. Like He's just more... Yeah. Uh, you know what he's going to do, and it's sort of easier to price that in every game. And, and, and I think... Even though the advanced stats have never really liked this defense, maybe it's because he's small and RPM height has never been beaten in RPM yet. But I, I sort of think that he brings like a baseline level of defensive execution also that Coldwell Pope really doesn't in a way. Even though Coldwell Pope is like really good sometimes one-on-one and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I think also he's just a much smarter offensive player especially than Coldwell Pope. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the Cavs have now started winning. Their defense is still ranked last, but I guess this is sort of 
more what we were expecting overall. Yeah, LeBron has been asked to do more than we expected him maybe needing to do, but they're going to be fine. It's it, I, I just don't see like any of these East teams, maybe Boston, I guess, they've looked really good to give them a serious challenge at the end of the day. Jay Crowder, though, has been like a surprise in a bad way. He's looked pretty bad on both ends. Yeah, I, I sort of wonder about these. Like, Jay Crowder has uh, been one of, I think, the type of player who we've really appreciated, like a solid wing defender uh, who's a good shooter and brings a lot of stuff to the table and, and sort of a plus-minus favorite during his time in Boston. So, well, there's like... If he just shoots better, he'll be like a good player. That's one simple way to think about it. But I also think there's something to be said about these guys who we really like in the plus minus that, that the context really matters. And when he's not in a familiar context, even if even if it should be a good one, which well, is not really a good one sometimes also with Rose and Wade, now that, but Rose is gone now, so that makes it easier. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's there's a lot of variance with players like him. And I've always wondered like, when you pay a player like that, you're actually, those are like the riskiest contracts in the NBA, like the 12 million player, 12 million dollar players, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think of Toronto and how they've looked so far? Uh, you know, I, I really love how they play nowadays compared to how they used to, especially when Valanciunas isn't on the court. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, Podol and, and, and uh, Noguera, when they play, they're just, like they're really, really good, both of them, and I think if they could like trade Valanciunas for anything good, uh, that team would like basically take the next step. I, I I think they're just so much better without Valanciunas. I agree. I think also Ibaka's kind of looked bad, and I think he's kind of dropped off defensively. Siakam's looked good for them. I'm kind of surprised how much he's improved since last year. Yeah. They just they have quite a few young players just contributing in these small roles like OG Ananobi Dylan Wright so I, I think they're kind of fun to watch now yeah the next iteration of that team really they don't really have any like really good players but there's a sort of if one of them turns out to be really good then they have the next team because Lowry's and DeRozan's and Ibaka's contracts are basically this year and the next two so that's the, that's the team they'll have for that time and and then, uh, I'm like the next team is the sort of the bones are there, or at least a way to start building again. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, we have Philly fifth, which before the season there, uh, Vegas projection was like forty-two and a half wins, and I just laughed at that. Apparently, I shouldn't have because they're actually like deserving of a ten and seven record in most ways. Uh, I guess just. What do you see as like the next five to ten years with Simmons and Embiid? What what's the ceiling with that team? There's there isn't really a ceiling. I mean, when you have two such talented players, and they also have Covington now under contract for a while, they have like they have the core pieces, and it's just finding those pieces around them to get to true contention. But if Embiid somehow stays healthy. Ben Simmons does the same. You could hypothetically see them as two top ten players in a couple of years. 
Yeah, I guess we should talk about Covington's uh, extension. It's uh, like the next four years and added salary to this year. And basically the remaining years at like 12 million or something a year. Yeah, that's a really big bargain in my opinion. Yeah, that's a great contract. Like he's the next level of Danny Green sort of, I think. That's the way I sort of think of him. Like where he's, I think he's bigger, right? And he has a faster release and, and, and. He, he's a even more he's a he's a more disruptive defensive player at least and Danny Green is already was at least a really good defensive player yeah um, okay, so next team is Indiana yeah probably for many the surprise team what did you think before the season about them I I personally I didn't see them being this good I thought they would be like a 30-ish win team um, they've gotten I guess the biggest surprise for me maybe in the NBA has been Victor Oladipo. He's been, like, super efficient compared to past years. And he's shooting, like, 45% from three, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, Sabonis is also good. And I guess Sabonis is sort of, I don't know what you thought about him, but he's the type of player that's e- it's easier for guys like us who are sort of in the niche NBA not to really like and not not really, like, sort of understand. But, like, he's he's a good player. Like, he passes... He passes pretty well. He doesn't. He does like a lot of useful things. He moves the ball quite well, and I really like that about him. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, last year, he was kind of used more like as an off-ball shooter, and it doesn't look like he fits that role that well. Yeah. So he's been used much better this year. Um, actually, Andrew Johnson's numbers had Indiana is pretty good, and the basic idea was that. Miles Turner is good, and then you have eight or seven other players who project out as not negative players, and that could get you to, like, 36 or whatever. And I think that's still the trajectory that the team is on. Turner has actually sort of underperformed the expectation in the way that he hasn't played in all the games and stuff like that. So it's a really good start, and and I think they'll be competing for a playoff spot in the East. Yeah, I agree. Okay, next up we have Washington, the team who loves to talk, now 10-8, and 7th uh, in the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know, what do you think about the, like, the team overall? I guess they should be sort of a pseudo-contender, and now they sometimes look like that, and sometimes they don't look like it, really. Yeah, I feel like their defense is very inconsistent, but I don't know, Otto Porter's been really good. Bradley Beal's been pretty good. But at the same time, it just looks like in close games, they don't really know what they're doing that well. And it'll end up like in John Wall's hands to take a dumb jumper or something like that. And it kind of blows them games at times. Yeah, they have a plus 3.1 net rating, which should make them a better team than they are now. And I think they are a better team. But John Wall, it's interesting. Like He's a really interesting player because... He's he's good, very good, and yeah. maybe defensively he hasn't quite been there, but whatever, you know, uh, he runs a lot of the offense. But it is a bit frustrating for me to watch his just pull-up jumper every now and then. Like, it's a 36.2% shot, and he takes a lot of those, and sort of sometimes he's kind of hot and they go in, but I don't know, like a point guard who doesn't shoot well, or at least that's what you play 
about him. Like you play Wall sort of that he, he's not a good shooter and you focus on taking his drives away. And I, I, that player type sometimes to me is really annoying to watch because it feels like you're not creating an advantage on the pick and roll really uh, as much as you should. Yeah, for me, it, the pull-up jumper especially, especially like one minute left in the game, you'll see him take sometimes these really dumb shots. It's kind of annoying to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, next, we have the New York Knicks with the same record at the eighth spot. And um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is actually okay. And Ennis Cantor is actually good. Uh, call me surprised about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I- I thought the Knicks would also be like a 30-ish win team. thought they might have a little more talent than people thought, but never expected them to be like this. And Porzingis has taken... I mean, we all expected him to improve, but he's taken an even bigger step than anyone could have imagined. Tim Hardaway Jr. has killed expectations. Corneli has had his moments. So, I mean, I think they might be able to contend for a playoff spot, but I'm also expecting them to drop off some. The one thing I... Re- yeah, I, I'm also expecting them to drop off, but the one thing I really... when I, I especially really like watching uh, their games at the Garden because of the uh, Mike Breen and Frazier. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and just the joy that they have is, I think, different than they had with Melo. Like, there's an energy in the building, like... Maybe it won't translate to wins at the end of the season, I think, but it's just more fun, I think, to watch them than like last year, for example. I agree. Okay, next team's an underachieving one so far, the Bucks. Oh yeah, that's this is a really interesting one. Uh, sort of bad defense, at least. And I don't know. What do you What do you think overall? What's your feeling? Yeah, I expected them to be a lot better. Like all have questions about Jason Kidd but last year they showed a step forward and Giannis has actually taken that step forward but it's looked like Chris Middleton has maybe been a bit worse than we expected he's taking some of these dumb off the dribble jumpers and their bench is still really bad yeah Middleton sort of has a he he sometimes takes really bad shots like pull-ups and long twos he loves the long two off the dribble yeah and he actually, like, his shot is really, uh, it doesn't have a lot of arc on it sometimes on those. He actually shoots, like, a pretty good percentage, but it's sort of annoying to watch since it feels like he could do, he could be a bit more efficient. But I don't know, like, I think the problem with that team is just sort of, I don't know what the logic is for them to really break through and really be good. Like, the offense doesn't really explode ever. It's not like, even with Giannis, it's not like they... It doesn't look like with the Cavs, sort of, where you just can't yeah. stop them. And then the defense, there's just, like, I think a lot of mistakes and and just not... It's just not perfect. Like, there's something wrong where it... it sometimes when it looks really good, it looks really good when they're getting those, like, steals and stuff and, and doing their stuff correctly. But I, I just think most of the time it, it just doesn't look really good in a way. Yeah, I agree. All right, next team's Miami. Yeah, um, uh, this is sort of, I think, Miami, I think, will be in the playoffs. And when I watch them, even though they have a negative net rating, I feel they're always very competent. Like, the offense doesn't, it's not great. It, and and Drogic maybe starting to be sort of overmatched 
being the first option on a team, but I I still think like they execute really well, and that's what I like about them. Yeah, I feel like their talent level isn't that high, but they know what they're doing. Spolstra is getting a decent amount out of them, and I think they'll get maybe a little better as the season goes on and maybe win around 45, 44 games. Yeah, and their defense should be pretty good. Okay, next I think we have a very interesting one. Hornets, 8-10 and 10 right now, and um, just Dwight Howard looks good, but they're not winning. Why are they not winning, really? I think Dwight looked better earlier in the season lately. His defense has kind of looked kind of spotty to me. Um, their wing, uh, they don't have a lot of wing depth. Like, they're relying a lot on Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky's playing big minutes for them. I guess he's shooting a little better than last year, but he's still, like, a defensive turn style. But yeah. I, I expected them to be a bit better than this. And they do have, like, They've been like net neutral or so by plus minus so far. Yeah, and, and actually, like the starters do really well, and basically the bench is horrible. So everything yeah. that has Malik Monk, Frank Kaminsky attached to it is just a disaster on offense, actually, in particular. And I don't, like the bench is really bad, and that's sort of the problem. And Batum being out pushes. One competent player, Lamb, which is surprising that Lamb has become a really competent player, but sort of pushes him from the bench spot to the starter spot, and that takes away any remaining stuff that the bench really had. But the bench shouldn't really be this bad. Like Cody Zeller, once he gets going, is a is a positive player, and and yeah, uh, yeah. and they've also been playing Dwayne Bacon quite a bit of minutes, which I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Bacon is one of those swingmen who sort of does stuff, but I, I don't know. I maybe he is a good player, and I, I've just missed it. But to me, I, I don't yeah, see it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next, the Orlando Magic. Once again, we had a team who started off really hot and now uh, sucks. <laughs> what did you think about them before this season, and how, what were you thinking when they were playing well, and what are you thinking now? Um. Before the season, I wasn't high on them. I thought they would barely go under. I think their over-under was like 34 or something like that. Um, when their hot streak was happening, I, when you look into the numbers, you can tell it was really fluky. They were shooting like 44, 45% from three, and the opponents were shooting like 28, 27% from three. You know those kind of numbers can't hold up over the course of a season. So I didn't really buy into it, and... I didn't expect them to lose, though, like, seven in a row like they have. Yeah. Aaron Gordon's looked pretty good. Um, Vucevic, who looked kind of good earlier in the season, has has been exposed a bit more on defense lately. And Biombo's like, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's, looked pretty brutal. Yeah. I think the one thing we sort of know about the Magic uh, now is that Gordon is actually pretty good. Like, I think that's yeah. that's what we figured out. Um, I think we've also figured out that Alfred Payton as the starting point guard for a team. It, it's, I'm not, I don't want to say it's like a disaster, but it's, it's, I think it's pretty close to it. Like, yeah. Every time he runs the offense, I feel like it's, it just looks like there's a player you don't have to guard at all. He's not doing really anything to help. Uh, he sort of does interesting stuff like rebounds and, 
passes and defends, but just it it it's just sometimes so much so much bad to look at for me. I doesn't create he doesn't like create an advantage ever. Yeah, I agree. All right, so next team's Brooklyn. What do you think of them? Um, uh, pass. I. <laughs> I get. I guess we can say something about D'Angelo Russell, uh, but he's not playing right now. But he's sort of. I'm not sure if he's actually good yet. Like everyone jumped on the D'Angelo Russell Russell bandwagon, but it's, it's, it's tough when you're not athletic, and if he's not a good shooter, right? So if he's a good shooter, stuff starts opening up. But before that, uh, it's. I'm always so skeptical. I, I don't know if I really like him as a player actually. Yeah, same here. Um, a lot of people on the timeline really like Russell. I think he's he's kind of overmatched on defense often, and on offense he he can't get to the rim that that frequently. He'll have to settle for floaters or step back jumpers at at times, and so it's just hard to see him being efficient in the league. Yeah, I just think people like him because uh, he went to the Nets. He's under a good coach. They sort of play a relatively cool style. And then he had a couple of big games at the start of the season. And sort of yeah. that, that legend lives on sometimes quite much longer than it really should. Um, next we have the Hawks. Um, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think? What's interesting about them? They're probably the team I've watched the least of this year. Um, John Collins has looked pretty good for a rookie. But other than that, I, I don't know. DeAndre Bembry's finally coming back from injury. I like watching him as like this glue guy. But I, I don't have a lot of opinions. I don't like watching Schroeder play. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I don't really like watching Schroeder play. But he's actually sort of been maybe better than I thought. Uh, like he's sort of sort of efficient, and that surprises me on this team. Um, but I don't know. Like he's he's okay. Uh, I think the Hawks really. They don't. They don't. They don't necessarily have anyone on the team who's part of the next good Hawks team. Uh, I'd be surprised if maybe maybe like Torian Prince or someone. But yeah. Um, okay, Chicago Bulls. I guess this is my favorite topic. Lauri Markkanen. No one ever passes to him. And <laughs> c- considering that, considering his point guards and that he's a big man who needs like someone needs to set him up most of the time he doesn't really create one-on-one yet that well although he does some stuff in the post but um yeah to his efficiency is sort of starting to dwindle right now but it's still it's pretty good considering what he's got that's what i would say yeah i agree i thought he would shoot pretty well but i didn't expect him to play like at a decent volume like he is playing at. I think he's averaging, what, like maybe 14 a game or something around there. I don't know how much he's averaging, but I've been impressed when I've watched him. His defense is a little better than I expected, and he can obviously shoot off the catch. And as you said, they basically have no point guards, no creation around him to help him out. Yeah, that's. I think that's something we'll see. Maybe his efficiency jump back when Levine comes, because that's like a competent pick and roll player basically and yeah. it's it's pretty disgusting to look at right now I, i'm sure i can watch like justin holiday run another pick and roll and uh, <laughs> just it i watch a lot of these games obviously because uh the finish connection but like i it, it kills me sometimes 
Chris Dunn is also one of those players like Alfred Payton. Like he actually, it's hard to say if he'll be good. I don't, I don't know how to evaluate like this stuff because he could be like good defensively and could do some stuff, but it's just a lot offensively when you you don't when you don't create an advantage. You know, like it's I don't get like point guards who don't create an advantage. Yeah, I don't like watching Chris Dunn at all, especially on offense. Yeah. Uh, so we jump to the Western Conference, and the Houston Rockets are first. They have actually a top 10 defense. Um, what do you think? What's the probability that they'll be competitive against the Warriors, I guess is the right question. I'd say there's a decent chance they can be competitive against them. I mean, they could maybe take them to like five games and have like three or three of the games be pretty close. But... I don't know. I feel like the defense is still a bit leaky. Like, Clint Capel has improved on defense. I think that's the biggest takeaway I have from them this season. But against Golden State shooters and against all their weapons, it's just hard to see them totally keeping up over a seven-game series. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like Tucker and the some of their wing depth has been shooting it pretty well, which has kept them on the court. But in, like, a series, it, it could just happen that some of those wing guys who are really needed for the defense to be good, they're really yeah. important players, that maybe you just miss a few and then you're out of it very quickly. Like, And and then if you have to start, like, that's a tough series for Ryan Anderson. You have lots of Ryan Anderson on the court because you need his shooting. And then yeah, it's it's not perfect. But 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 I think there is a way. I think they've proven that they're very good. And, and I think Chris Paul, no one, I don't think anyone really likes Chris Paul anymore. But, you know, Chris Paul is very good. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, and okay. also, Luke Richard Mbamute has looked pretty good so far this year. But as you said, you don't know how they're gonna shoot. Sometimes he's not like one of those reliable guys. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about like Mbamute. Like he's a player we know. Obviously, he's worth more than the minimum which he signed for in Houston, or something close to the minimum yeah. uh, for one year. I-, I just wonder how that happens. Like, really, like. For like the Warriors, uh, couldn't the Warriors pay him instead of Nick Young? Like I don't get it. Who yeah. who who thinks that Nick Young is a better investment? Like it absolutely baffles me. And just I don't know. Looking through the contender list, uh, the Cavaliers could have called him. Like they would do very very well with Mbamute. I'm very surprised that no one really got that and paid him like I don't know, ten million for three years or something more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, it's very surprising. Okay, the next team is the Warriors. Yeah, 14 and 5. I don't know. Do you have anything interesting here? (laughs) Not really. I mean, they're really good. Their defense has been a bit leaky at times, but they'll be fine with that when they're more tuned in and more caring, I guess, about the games. Yeah, they're just... When they play their best, they're... A lot better than everyone else and there's just yeah. no way to no way to bridge the gap i don't i just don't see it and um uh still really good um who's better steph curry or kevin durant in my opinion steph what about you i think steph is much more valuable than durant over 82 games when you play the regular season but i think there are like some edge cases where durant just because of his size and and that's just something I, I think it's something that Steve Kerr said so maybe I'm stealing his words but 
there's something about that swingman player where where you're really locked in and you're really doing the best of your stuff that it, it can't be defended and there's some extra value i think in that where i think it's actually sort of real that cur- like shooting sort of diminishes in the playoff or you can guard specific shooters in specific ways that help you and i think maybe being more physical on curry and stuff like that actually does impact him somewhat but i don't know i would still i would much rather have curry for like if i was just picking a player for my team same here all right next is the spurs who haven't gotten any games from Kawhi yet. yeah seven eleven and seven and 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 Again, a great defense. The offense is actually really mediocre, but when I watch them, I'm actually surprised it's even that because, like, Kyle Anderson is a non-threat. DeJounte Murray was starting. Now he's off the bench, but he's a very odd player. And LaMarcus Aldridge shoots a lot. Uh, he scores some as well. Uh, Pau Gasol is, like, 42% Pau Gasol anymore. Uh I'm not sure if Danny Green makes shots. He sometimes does. You know, it's it's like a weird thing, but they're eleven and seven, and yeah, yeah. I feel like Lamar Marcus Aldridge has been much better this year. I think last time I was looking, his efficiency is way up than last year, but that might be kind of like a fluky hot start for mid range. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. When I look at it, like I feel like he has 24 points on 22 shots every game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah. Okay, I think now we're getting into the interesting teams. Uh, The Trailblazers, uh, and they have the same record as the Timberwolves, Nuggets, and Pelicans at the moment. Um, I guess we can sort of lump these together and talk about all of them together. Who do you think is the best team, most likely team? And OKC is actually eighth, so that's a good, good team to take. Who's the fourth best team among these? I'd still say OKC. Um... Denver is without Millsap, which is a huge blow for a while. For the season, actually, I think. Yeah, I think he's out in like a few months. The Timberwolves have kind of gotten worse a little bit of late, and they're relying on on just Jamal Crawford and Shabazz Muhammad off the bench, which is absolutely brutal. Portland's been better than I expected, at least especially on defense, like, I don't even know how their defense is so good. I guess Nurkish has been a big presence, maybe. CJ is better than we expected on defense, but and of course Aminu helps them at times. Yeah, Aminu really like all the lineups with Aminu are the best, but he's also missed some time now. I think Nurkic is just actually pretty good defensively. Uh, at the end of the day, like it's sort of he doesn't look it obviously, and I think sometimes he like doesn't even play it, but somehow it seems like they're always like teams are actually pretty good with him on the court. Uh, the Wolves are horrible on defense, and I have no idea how that's, how you even do that anymore. Like, Tosh Gibson and Jimmy Butler by themselves should provide enough execution, at least, to sort of bridge the gap. What do you think is happening there? I think it's mainly the bench. Shabazz Muhammad and... Um, who's the guy I just said? Jamal Crawford. Yeah. yeah, those are two of the worst defenders, maybe, in the league. Oh, yeah. And they've just been... They've just been getting killed, I think, when they're on the floor. So their bench has been really poor so far. Yeah. And, of course, Carl Anthony Towns, at least when, at least statistically, he hasn't been good on defense. Yeah, when I watch Towns, I feel like it's it's not that bad. 
it's not as bad as the numbers say, or I, maybe my eye doesn't catch it. But sometimes when I watch Wiggins, I I just feel like like the mistakes. They're just uh, there are too, too many mistakes. Like he does good, makes good plays, sort of, but there's so many mistakes in there, and I think those just the fundamental mistakes that eat the defense sometimes. I, but I'm not sure who to blame really on on there. Uh, obviously the bench is bad, but they play like four minutes anyway. Like the starters play 40, 40 minutes on that team, so <laughs> that's a strategy. Yeah, I guess Thibs wants to run them into the ground. Yeah, um, the Pelicans we haven't talked about yet. Um, Rondo has joined the lineup. Hasn't been a fiasco, I guess. Uh, has I think he's been sort of okay. But that team really is just Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and some guys who make shots every now and then. Yeah, and sometimes Drew Holiday has these games, but he's kind of been inconsistent this year. Oh, yeah, really inconsistent. Um, they run actually like really cool stuff with uh, where Cousins and Davis, they get sort of driving lanes from the perimeter or... Uh, where the play is meant for them to drive like baseline or whatever, or meant for them to flare and, and they sort of play like guards. And it's actually like really interesting to watch them figure that out. And they probably have figured it out as much as they can. And now it's just, they're a team that's probably a bit better than 500 and you sort of get to see where that takes them. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, one wonder if I have something interesting to say about this. Yeah, the Nuggets, uh, they're seventh in offense. The offense doesn't look quite as good as I had expected, really. Uh, and I think even Millsap sort of hasn't really helped the ball movement. I think he sort of sometimes pauses a bit too much. And even though he's like a good passer sort of for his position, maybe he's not integrated into the offense really in a way where... But now they have three months without him, and and that's not good defensively, of course, so... But the, the, still, that team is like good enough to make the good enough to be five hundred. I think in any case. Yeah, I think they'll still make the playoffs. In my opinion, I think they'll win around forty-five games. Millsap, it, it, the fit on offense has been weird from what I've seen. Like, they're him and Jokic never really got in sync. Yeah, I agree. You, you'd think like two talented passers would hook up more often for easy buckets together, but it just didn't happen. And as you said, sometimes Millsap pauses with the ball too much. And then you, and he's had some drive where you kind of think, you know what, maybe he's lost a little bit of athleticism because his finishing hasn't been as strong. Yeah. But as you said, now he's out for a while. I don't know what it is about Millsap. Like, he's obviously a good player. He brings their defense up 10 spots and stuff like that. But he's on offense, he, he's just, he doesn't become more efficient. This is the Russell Westbrook thing. Like, I feel like he, I thought he'd be more efficient in that offense than he was uh, at the start of the year. I don't know what what that really is, but it's just maybe it's just uh, like getting used to, uh, getting used to the uh, system. And but now he won't get used to the system, so that's a minus. Yeah. Um, under the playoff line, now we're getting into like Western Conference, really interesting teams, but whatever. <laughs> The Utah Jazz without Gobert for now for a while, and and I think they look screwed in most ways. Yeah, I agree. I thought they would look better than they have, even when Gobert's been healthy. They've looked just like they don't have enough offense to win games. And Gobert at times hasn't looked, I don't think, quite as strong as he did last year on defense. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what do you think about Rubio with this new team? He's averaging a career low in assists, a career high in field goal attempts, and uh, just what do you think when you when you've seen him play? It just looks like a bad fit because he's around. It's not like they have a bunch of like these high usage players. Like, because when you think of Rubio, you think of him as like setting up these guys. And Utah just doesn't have the guys that finish at the rim or great shooters for the most part. So I think the fit's just been really weird on offense, especially. Yeah, it's tough because I feel like Rubio, unlike some of the point guards I've criticized earlier in the podcast, like Peyton, like he can actually sort of create an advantage for the next guy. Uh, but but there sort of needs to be more space also. Like Joe Ingles can drive a bit, but he doesn't really like explode off of that small advantage that Rubio maybe can create. And when he explodes, like there's five guys in the lane and the, all the other shooters are questionable. And it's just like it, like him and Donovan Mitchell both shooting 20-something percent from three, it sort of compounds on him and it really ruins his game in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like Rubio, do you think he could be a point guard for a championship-level team? Well, I mean, yes, but I think it would have to be, like, with two top ten players around him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he can be, like, one of the best players on the title team. Yeah. You know? Um, Next, the Lakers, 8-11. and Um, Lonzo Ball, is he better than Lauri Markkanen? No, definitely not right now. Um, that's likely, that's mostly, I think, because his true shooting is so horrible, but maybe, like, okay, if his true shooting was, like, league average, do you think he would be better than Markkanen? Probably. I mean, I think his defense has looked a little better than I expected, and he's been passing like we expected. He's a good passer, obviously. So, he, he, he just needs to get to competent level shooting. He doesn't need to be a great shooter. Yeah, that's sort of what I've been thinking also that he's a re- like he's a net negative player, but he's actually like pretty close to being a net positive if he could just make anything, really. Yeah. And that would be enough. Uh, like he does a lot of stuff on the court and he's one of those passers where it's not just assists, but he actually creates points that wouldn't exist otherwise, like a possession that looks normal and is just like a your regular 0.9 points per possession half court set can suddenly turn into 1.7 points sort of just on a dime because of his yeah. understanding and vision. I think that's those are not always reflected in assists, but I think he can be an engine for a really good offense. Yeah. Um, now we'll get to Memphis. They've lost seven in a row like Orlando. What do you think of them? Uh, well, that's an, another team that's obviously screwed, I think. I'm not sure how long Mike Conley is still out, but it's just so much how Mario Chalmers running the point with a team that's... It's Marcus All. Marcus All had like 14 assists last night, and and, and he's doing everything he can. He's still really good, but that team doesn't have enough, and I think it's... I actually think it's interesting. Maybe Conley and Gasol could be on the block, like... They're not going to make the playoffs, I think, and I'm pretty, pretty confident about that prediction. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I was pretty low on them heading into the season, and they started pretty hot, but just 
just relying on Chalmers and all these role players that we don't even know much about and that and that were like undrafted and like it's just hard to see how this team makes the playoffs. So I'm not that high on them either. I'm not sure they're gonna trade them. They kind of feel like Memphis feels like they owe it to their fan base to maybe keep them, even if it's bad for them from a basketball perspective. Yeah, I think, but but it also feels now still pretty good since they are pretty close to like the playoff spots and and the season is early. But if it starts to go bad for like a like a year and a half, that's when I think yeah. things will start really changing. And and like so when I watched them at the start of the year, I felt like they're really pulling out these wins, and maybe they'll do it again. Maybe they'll be forty one and forty one by some miracle, uh, but then. Then just it's it's just not enough, right? So they get a lot of a lot out of there, like James Ennis and players like that. They're pretty good in when they in pretty good in helping the team. But you just don't have like a baseline level of creation and talent and just stuff you need to get through an NBA game. And with Conley and Gasol, you can barely get through an NBA game with those two uh, and be a good team. But you, it's barely like even with them, there's so little creation. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, All right, next team is the Clippers. Yeah, um, started off well and have been horrible since. Uh, what do you think? Well, they've been killed by injuries, which, I, I mean, it's not that surprising because they have a bunch of injury-prone players on their team. I guess the latest news is Patrick Beverly is out for the season, I think. Yeah. And Gallinari's maybe kind of close to coming back. I'm not sure. But... They just can't. They they're missing three starters, and they're relying on Austin Rivers. So like, I, I don't know. They're, they they seem screwed to me. Yeah, they they're screwed, and and I think it's just you start Austin Rivers, Sindarius Thornwell, and Wesley Johnson. <laughs> you're not gonna win. Like it doesn't. Blake Griffin is awesome. DeAndre Jordan is really good as well. It, you you just it's not enough. You you have to be able to create. Guard, you have to have like competent guard play, and Austin Rivers is sort of competent in like a bench role, but he, it's it's just so much to deal with. Like when you have, and Wesley Johnson has actually, I think, shot the ball okay this year, pretty well. But he, I don't, I've never liked him. I don't think he's a good player. I don't think he helps you in any way. Um, I don't get why Sam Decker doesn't play as much as him, or um, I don't know. It's it, they're finally playing a price for not getting good bench players. Like you could manage with good bench players if you you can have like Jameer Nelson and Austin Rivers running the point, but you can't have just Austin Rivers and really like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I agree. Uh, next team, we're getting into the really bad teams in the West. Yeah, it's Phoenix Suns. Uh, the podcast is just getting more exciting. Uh, I guess here we should go with, what do you think of Devin Booker? Will he be an all-star player? And perhaps a better question would be, when he is an all-star player, because he scores a lot, do you think it will be deserved? Um, well, I think his his efficiency has gone way up this year, which kind of surprised me. So, I mean, if he can shoot like Beal has shot from three, I think he has a chance. And maybe with better coaching... He can be a really good offense player, but as is, 
you still look at a guy that pounds the ball way too much for a guy with I mean his handle has improved but it's still not the kind of guy you want creating shots for himself so I don't know I think he's a very flawed player at this point still yeah he's super young uh, but I uh, he's not like really he's not like huge or a great athlete I think or yeah he's sort of good but but not really great I he he can create a semi-efficient shot for himself. I, I, I don't even know what the comp really is. Like, who who would you compare him to? Like, what type of player could he be at his best? I mean, it's hard. I guess an optimistic comp would be someone like CJ, but that would need a lot of improvement, especially in his pick-and-roll game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get that, but that's... CJ was also, like from day one just a really special shooter and and yeah that's true booker has really good range on his shot so that's i think a positive going forward where you think that range should translate to efficiency also uh in a way but it hasn't so far yeah yeah but i'm like if the like booker has always been this i hate the analytics eye test stupid discussion but he's sort of the sort of a litmus test for that uh where do you like if you compare yourself to most people who we follow and uh, who follow us on twitter about nba stuff and how we think uh, are you sort of would you describe yourself as like the optimistic end of that range or the pessimistic what do you mean exactly by the optimistic end yeah like, like for Devin Booker. yeah like compared to what you think smart people think about him would you i'd probably be a little bit on the pessimistic side but i do my opinion of him has improved this year yeah yeah i think i think i'm also the same all right so we have the sacramento kings next um i guess the interesting part is Darren fox do you what do you think of him as a player uh well we all knew right away he's gonna shoot terribly and he has his creation has been a bit disappointing I don't think he's really created good shots for his teammates. So far, he's been a bit of a disappointment. But again, it's just like 20 games into a rookie season where he's a teen, so it's not a big deal or anything. But yeah, he. I was kind of. Yeah, he. I was kind of. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was kind of low on him before the draft, so my opinion, I guess, maybe it's gone up a little bit because I've seen his defense a little bit be better than I expected, but he's, he's a very flawed player. Mm, I think a point guard who can't shoot at all, and right now he's like, can't shoot at all territory. And it, it just really kills your offense. It's, it's very difficult to have a, have a good offense when, when your main guy who has a lot of ball handling duties can't really, uh, can't really like bend the defense to him at all. So it's just hard. Like maybe he's Alfred Payton, or maybe he's like a better version of him. But I don't. I I, I hesitate to like put young guys in a box where oh this guy can't shoot and he can't be good. But who's like the best best the best player who best point guard who can't shoot or isn't a great shooter is John Wall. But John Wall has improved a lot there, and John Wall is also really really fast and uh, actually Fox is as well. But. Wall is really good, and I, I don't know who who is like the who's like the good who, who's the good player from that archetype at the moment. I don't know. Maybe someone like if Fox can get his defense. 
defense to be better. Like Rubio, I guess, would be an optimistic kind of comp. But he also would need to improve his playmaking a lot. So I'm yeah. not sure if that's even fair. Um, all right, last we have the Mavericks. Um, Nerlens Noel is probably the most interesting situation going on there. Uh, what do you think of Noel overall and his place with the Mavs? And uh, what do you think of him as a player? I think he's a solid player. Um, I think he's he's kind of inconsistent on defense, but you can see the flashes when you, when you watched him in the past of possibly being an anchor, but I'm not sure he's ever really going to get there completely. He kind of has these space out moments on defense, but he, he's a good player. He's also improved his finishing a lot. I feel like the main reason he doesn't play is there's something going on with Carlisle behind the scenes and a reason why Carlisle doesn't like him. I don't know if he's just not working hard or what Carlisle feels of him, but it's obvious that this he's not going to stay in Dallas past this year. My first instinct with Noel has always been, oh, people don't get him. Like, Noel is actually really good. I saw him uh, put the Philadelphia 76ers uh, to the 12th best defense with no one on the roster and really liked him then. And But then, like, and I get that in Philly there was a bad situation, but I really thought that with the Mavericks this was just an obvious slam dunk and he would do really well and that, uh, it's just it's one of those situations where I feel like it's very easy to say from outside that he's a good player and then Carlisle doesn't play him at all and it feels like Carlisle knows better as well so I don't really know what to think sometimes here <laughs> yeah that makes sense um yeah I guess those were our 30 teams we have a few questions as well if you still have time to go through them yeah sure uh from Marvin J Hank um, thoughts on Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, best fit in the draft for the Mavs. Um, underappreciated guys Dallas could get in trades, and probably not his own. Yeah, was a joke. So, <laughs> um, so what do you what do you think? Uh, Dennis Smith has been. It's kind of been kind of like expected. He's he's erratic at this point. He'll take some really bad pull up shots where he's he feels really confident. But I guess the one maybe small surprise is he's not using his left hand at all, and he's getting blocked at the rim really often. So he needs to learn about help defense and about using his left hand a little more. Um, other than that, it's been kind of as expected, I guess. As a teenage point guard rookie, most of those are bad, unless you're super tall like Ben Simmons, I guess. I'd agree with that. And, and basically he looks... As good and as bad as you'd think. Like the talent is obviously there. You could see him being a really, really good point guard, and it's just a like a dice throw basically. From the outside, we can't really know like how he will develop or whatever. Uh, it just one day you will wake up and he'll be like a really good player, or he'll won't be. And and it, either it translates or it doesn't, and it's really hard to say sometimes if it does. But I would air on the side of him being really good someday. Um, yeah, I like him. Any underappreciated guys, Dallas, or I guess any team could target right now in trades who are not his own uh, Well, this guy that I'm going to mention, he never plays, but I still feel like he's just never gotten a fair shake. Um, Bryce Johnson of the Clippers, he's kind of like 
a potential rim running big that can finish pretty well. I feel like Doc's never given him a shot at all to play minutes, and I think he could be maybe like a bench big for someone. Oh, that's that's an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to come up with uh, one. I guess the only one that always comes to mind is Jaleel Okafor. You can get him for free, I assume, by now. Uh, <laughs> less than free. Yeah, less than free. Uh, I like The Spurs have Joffrey Laverne playing backup center. And for the life of me, like, Jaleel Okafor is not worse than that. Uh, uh, that's what I'll, I'll say about him. Um, should Ben, uh, from Proxy Tank, Dan, uh, should Ben Simmons make an all-star team? I'd say yes. Um, would he be eligible for both, like, the guards and the big man portion of it? Yeah, actually, Ben Simmons and maybe if players like him come into the league maybe it's time to stop completely like the positions or the front court back court stuff even yeah i agree yeah yeah i guess he i don't know actually oh he'll be at the no he'll be at the guards no the forward spots because that there are more free spaces there right yeah you have Giannis, you have lebron and maybe kevin love yeah he's kind of had a, a little bit of a disappointing year but I, I think he should make it. He's been really good so far this year. Of course, Joel Embiid also. Yeah. Uh, front court. Or, or are centers different? Like, do you vote on centers too? No, no, it's front court, back court, right? So. That's what I thought, all right. Yeah. That's something I don't pay attention to at all because I don't really care, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, from Alexander Hitch, uh, which teams who stink now can turn it around second half of the season? Well, uh, the next three quarters of the season, uh, which teams who are now in playoff spots will drop? Um, well, the ones that will drop, kind of obvious. I feel like Indiana and the Knicks are the obvious ones. The teams that stink right now, I guess maybe Charlotte has a chance to get better as the season gone on. Kemba's been really good, and they have talent around him. So I think they have a good chance to make the playoffs. Not Miami's been not they haven't really stunk, but Miami's had moments of looking really bad. They too can make the playoffs. Now that I'm looking at the East, Detroit has like a pretty good head start. So if you think Indiana and New York will fall off, you'll have the Bucks, Heat, and Hornets uh, for those two spots. Actually, uh, yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. Uh, which one of those teams would? If the Bucks don't make it, that's a fucking disaster. <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> like that, then ever that's that's people will get fired. That's that won't look good. Um, but they're probably the most likely also to make it out of those three. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I don't know. Actually, maybe Miami is the one who is ninth. Then in that case. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially if what happens. What it- if Embiid misses games, then Sixers are out, and then all three, all three yeah, get in. Yeah. Um, and then our last question uh, from uh, No Lang on Twitter: What is the margin of error for popular metrics at this point in the season? I actually like this question. I'll answer it first. Uh, last year, uh, the Hawks were really good 
with Cephalosha and Delaney on the court for the start of the year. And, and I sort of pointed that out and I thought there's something real there. And there is something real there. There was something real, I think, with Cephalosha who makes teams good around him when he's in the right situation. And that sort of got reflected on Delaney, but I don't think Delaney was a part of that. But I, I, I actually went along with time thinking maybe Delaney uh, was doing something, but now I, that illusion has been completely stripped from me. I don't know. What are your thoughts to this question? There's still, I mean, we're only 20 games into the season. We're not even like one fourth into the season, really. So there's still a lot of room for error, especially if you're looking at like plus minus data. That's That can be really fluky at times. I feel like you need a significant sample for that. Especially when you break it down by lineups, like five-man yeah. units who, like, some some group has played 76 minutes. I don't care. Like, whatever. Like, I'll find a statistic to support anything if that's your barrier for uh, the analysis. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then uh, one thing I'll point out from ESPN's RPM is obviously very popular because it's the adjusted plus-minus system that people can anyone can view and that's and that sort of blankets the entire adjusted plus minus statistics in a way for many people i think there are like some very odd things in there if you look at the year by year defense where it has jumped from like i remember chris middleton had one year where he had really really good defensive numbers and he's like a good defender but i also think he's not that fast actually sideways and and stuff like that. And I remember at the Sloan Sports Conference, Daryl Morey said that their internal numbers had Chris Middleton actually being really good on offense and not on defense as good, like where most of his value was being produced. So ESPN's RPM, the, the defensive metrics actually are really screwed up sometimes. I, there's some really odd stuff in there. And, and I think height seems to be an obviously too big weight in those numbers. That's just my intuition about it. Yeah, I agree. I also think doesn't um, like steals and defensive rebounds. Maybe those are overvalued. Yeah, it? definitely. At least defensive rebounds. I feel like it's is one. Yeah, I remember someone writing on not on calculus about this. But um, okay, I guess that's uh, everything we have for today. It was good to do a podcast uh, for a long time, and I don't really get to talk to anyone about the NBA very often. So it's nice to do like a full rundown. Uh, it was nice to talk to you, Philip, and and then. Nice to talk to you too. Uh, we'll do this again.